This podcast features explicit language and spoilers. Welcome to Better Late Than Never, a movie podcast where I invite a friend to watch a blockbuster, cult favorite, or otherwise culturally significant film that they've never seen before. After we watch the movie, my guest will decide if it was better late, that they've been missing out by not having seen the film, or never. The movie just didn't live up to the hype for them. My name is Dave, and I'm your host. Today, I am joined by Emily and Eric, and we are discussing a movie that they have never seen before, Die Hard, from 1988. Guys, welcome to the program. Thank you. I'm Thanks. excited to be here. Yeah. You haven't seen Die Hard? I've gotten that a lot over the past few weeks as I tell people I'm coming to do this. Like, You've never seen Die Hard? I'm like, I don't know. That's it. I haven't seen it. How have you never seen Die Hard? So I feel like it was perhaps a little before my time. Like, so Bruce Willis is an action star, I think, but yeah. I'm not quite sure when that happened. And I think it might have happened at Die Hard. But he was already an action star when I became aware of him. So I just think, I think it was too young. I don't know. I think I was too young. Well, when did you become aware of him? Like around what the movie? The Fifth Element, his best mm. movie ever. That's not a bad call. And that was like mid 90s, late 90s? Yes. Oh, God. Yeah, mid 90s, I'm going to guess. Um, I think given the level of special effects, I'm going to go mid 90s. <laughs> not, not that they're bad for their time. Well, so I have seen... I've seen Hudson Hawk, which I'm, I didn't do research, but I'm pretty sure that's Bruce Willis. Yeah. I've seen Die Hard 3. Okay. With Samuel L. Jackson. And I've seen Live Free or Die Hard with the Mac Kid and Bruce Willis. And that one was not very good. But Die Hard with a Vengeance, I challenge that there is no way Die Hard is better than Die Hard 3. Die Hard oh, 3 wow. is excellent. Strong. Coming and in strong. It's an excellent, excellent movie. I mean, I hope Die Hard is better because that will be a great like, wow, this will be a great movie then. But like Die Hard 3. And everyone I've talked to was like, no, it's not even close. I'm like, well, it has to be close because Die Hard 3 is a great movie. Hmm. But I've never seen Die Hard 2. Never seen Die Hard 1. Interesting. Okay. Well, uh, why did you guys pick this movie? Just out of curiosity. So I kind of assume that it's going to be a sort of a fun, rompy, comedic action movie. Yeah. Um. So I'm imagining like in the vein of speed or um, Lethal Weapon, maybe Patriot Games. I don't know. But uh, it seems like fun. And I like Bruce Willis. And doesn't it also have Alan Rickman in it? It might. Yeah. Yeah. I'll watch anything with Alan Rickman. That was a great poker face, Dave. <laughs> I'm almost, all in I almost on gave Alan away Rickman. the game. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, all right. So we've got kind of your sense, Emily, of what you think the movie's going to be like. Do you have any kind of prediction on like... Or, oh, I have, I have a lot of predictions. I, is that that segment? I mean, we can jump around. Yeah, I, I'm just I'm, doing stuff. All right. So um, I believe the reason we picked this is because 
people argue that it's a Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. And Emily likes to argue that tacos are sandwiches, which I feel is a very similar type of trolling level. Emily, I'm going to actually, I got to ask you to leave. <laughs> tacos are sandwiches. No, they're not. Oh my For God. life. Okay. Especially ice cream tacos. So I'm interested to see if she's just a natural troll where she comes out in this movie. Or maybe I should have saved it until after the movie, but I already said it. Well, or how that works out. It is something that we're going to talk about in part two. So definitely. Hot dogs are also sandwiches. No, they're not. Holy shit. This is going to get ugly in part two. <laughs> I can already tell. So another interesting thing I want to jump in here is like say that my grandfather had a massive movie collection from like the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Mm-hmm. And Die Hard 1 and Die Hard 2, Die Harder was on on that list and these were often sitting on the top of his tv or on my dad's tv and i for whatever reason never watched them Hmm. i mean do you guys like action movies in general yes yeah as long as they're not scary okay okay do you have like kind of genre favorites like what style of action movie would you say I like um, natural disaster action movies so the day after tomorrow one of my all-time favorites okay what about you I'm not sure. Hmm. Like, I like the cop action, but like, I like the Beverly Hills cop. I like Lethal Weapon. Mm. Um, like, interesting character development. I usually like when there's some kind of story, interesting story going on there. An actual plot, not just like. Yeah, not just like fighting. Because when I watch some of the, like, some of the new Marvel movies, which I like, there's a lot of just like action for action's sake. And I'm like, what is this? It's like there's something not that interesting about them. I'm kind of a Marvel fanboy. I, I like I like the movies. Maybe they're just all like too overblown when I do them. I don't know. Some I think it's when during an action scene, if I get bored, like that's a bad sign. Oh well, totally. All right. So let's start getting into specific predictions. What, Eric? You can go first. What do you think is going to happen in this movie, or who do you think's in it? So Anything I would like it if Emily went first, just oh. because I've seen the sequel. Okay, and like I might be like, here's all the stuff. Emily's like, I had no idea. All right, all right, Emily, take it away. Okay, so Alan Rickman is in it, so I have thought long and hard about this, and I think he is going to be brooding of some sort because that's what Alan Rickman does best. Um, I think Bruce Willis is some sort of quippy cop type character that is going to have to save the city or the world or something like that. Um. I don't think this is like an interpersonal, like, it's not like Taken where he's got to like get his kid back or something. It's like, it's more like Speed. Or basically, I kind of think that this is like the TV show 24, but in movie format. Because I'm just assuming that it continues to escalate and that each time Bruce Willis does not die, but I don't know, dies harder, whatever it is. Um, That's not until the second movie where he dies harder. Sure, sure. I believe that. I think that there are going to be bombs. I, for some reason, think that there is a train involved um, Mm. because bombs on trains sounds like a terrible idea, but a great idea for a movie. (laughs) Um, Sure. Glad you clarified that. Yes. Um, So, and then I guess my big prediction is that I think the bad guy is going to die and it is going to be hard. Okay. When he dies. (laughs) Fair. Fair. That's all I got. All right. Eric, what do you got? Okay. I, I have a pretty long list here because um, I made a list yesterday. Okay. And they're in no particular order. But the first one is I believe Carl Winslow is in this movie from Family Matters. I don't know his actual name. 
Oh, the dad from the, Family Matters? The dad from Family Matters. Is he going to be a cop? He, if he's in it, I want him to be a cop. And I'm pretty sure he's a cop, but he's not quite as jovial as he is in Family Matters. Okay. I still think he's probably good. If he's in it, he's a good guy. Because I've seen about 20 seconds of Die Hard 2, Die Harder, when I was in third grade. Because I was at some birthday party, and they had um, a couple of movies there. They had Cyborg, and they oh had Die God. Hard 2. And they're like, what do you guys want to watch? And we like played Battleship or something like that, because we were in third grade. Cyborg 2, by the way, Angelina Jolie's first film. Interesting. Interesting. Not good. Okay. Just and I've the... seen neither of those movies after that, but I do remember that that was a random selection of movies for a bunch of third graders. Yeah, kind of random. Although I guess it all has sort of like an action-y thing. Well, anyway. All right. So you would think that uh, Carl Winslow from Family Matters. Yep. Um, all right. And then because I saw the third one, there is definitely going to be Bruce Willis wearing a dirty white t-shirt at some point whether it starts dirty or not i'm not sure but it's gonna be dirty and bloody he's gonna be bleeding profusely and very tired at some point but then the like all the wounds are gonna scab over and he's gonna kick someone's ass at the end hmm okay okay um i believe there will be a reasonable amount of ammo in this movie unlike say beverly hills cop where they just keep shooting and shooting and shooting and there's no like concept of ammo but not as strict as dirty harry which is like did he shoot five times or six times? Like, I don't think it's oh, yeah. Well, Dirty Harry uses a revolver, right? Doesn't he have that? I believe like so, a yeah. six gun or something. Yeah. Okay, so actual ammunition. And my prediction is that I do not think this will be a Christmas movie. <laughs> okay. I don't know what this Christmas movie thing is, but I am intrigued and would like to know more. Well, you, oh, we'll, we'll talk about yeah, it. I have plenty more I can say about this, but anyways. Um, I believe Bruce Willis' character's name is Ron McClain. But that's okay. only because there is a football player named Laron McLean, and there and like I'm pretty sure his last name is McLean. Okay, Ron McLean. What else you got? Uh, let's see. I think Alan Rickman was going to have blonde hair in this movie. Interesting. And he is, and I think his name, and I, I'm going to be really embarrassed if his, his name isn't this, but I think his name is going to be Hans Gruber. Okay. And if it's not, that's going to be really embarrassing. Maybe that's the name of like McGruber or something like that. But oh, McGruber is a great film. Really. Yes, I know it. it flopped, but I will go to bat for that movie as being absolutely hilarious. So, so I keep people don't make MacGyver references anymore; they make MacGruber references, as they should. <laughs> MacGruber is superior. Wow, that's that's pretty bold. All right, I'm not sure how much hair Bruce Willis is going to have in this. None. None. Well, I vote none. I. It's going to be more than that. It's definitely going to be long, like not like because right now it's buzzed. It yeah, I should think it's be buzzed. like it'll probably be like an inch. And I'm thinking, like, how much of a horseshoe is it? I think it's just going to be a big forehead. No, I'm going with full, shiny top of the head. Bald pate? Yes. Because mm-hmm. I just watched another movie with him, the M. Night Shyamalan one. Yeah. Oh, Unbreakable? Unbreakable. Yeah, and it basically, like, the horseshoe goes all the way to, like, to the back of his neck. Like, it's super far back. I'm like, just shave that. Yeah. That's 2001. Right, so we're talking, like, yeah, but I 13 didn't, years. I didn't think he did a progression of hair. Like, I thought he, like... Cut it off and grew it out and cut it off and grew it out. Like I didn't I didn't I, think it was a a a you know one after the other sort of I feel like he hit a point and then did that thing that I think a lot more balding men should do, which is just say, All right, I'm committing to the full baldness and shave in. the rest. That's, yeah. yeah. He just gave up the ghost and was like, Yep, this isn't gonna work. Buzz it and it'll look a lot better. I hope that should that happen to me, I will have the character to fully commit to my baldness if and when that happens. And I believe you will have that that confidence to do it dave if you need it knock on wood <laughs> all right i think samuel jackson will not be in this movie okay. but i hope he is because then i'd be like all right this is probably as good as die hard 3 
but I will stick by that as my strongest one. There's no way it's better. Okay. I feel like there will be a point in this movie where Bruce Willis is like hanging from a cliff by one arm and Alan Rickman is standing above him very much like the Joker and Batman and I think the Michael Keaton Batman. And also, like, the one arm thing is kind of a cliffhanger thing. I was going to say, that sounds like that movie. It was cliffhanger. Oh, cl- I was like, like Avalanche? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. All right. So I'm going to feel the... bad if these all turn out true. And like, oh, then I'll be like, oh, maybe I have seen this movie. Um, They're so, not all true. Good. Good. All right. All right. Here's the best visualization I can think of is I believe there's going to be a scene where there is a large, large explosion and Bruce Willis is seat belted into a chair. And he is really high up in the air, and he says something like, either, I'm too old for this, which is very lethal weapon, so I don't think he says that, or not again, which means it's probably from Die Hard 2. But I think that happens in Die Hard 2, which means it probably happens in Die Hard 1. Okay. That one's That's a really specific one. It is. And it might just be from another movie. It might like be from Hudson Hawk. I don't know. I've never seen Hudson Hawk. Is, I thought that was like a rom-com. No. He is... I'm pretty sure he's someone who just got out of jail and is doing all these things to like re get his connections back, like his like criminal connections back when he gets okay. gets back. But all I really know time. about Hudson Hawk is that Bruce Willis is in it and that it is uh, frequently the subject on a lot of bad movie podcasts. So I don't anticipate that being great if and when I catch it. Like I don't think I would even put it up with like Die Hard Four, which is like was not a good movie, but like I, Die Hard Four is probably better than Hudson Hawk, but Hudson Hawk is still good. Okay, fair enough. I got a question for you guys. Are there any quotes you associate with this movie? Any, like famous uh, quips or movie quotes? I was thinking really hard. I couldn't come up with any. I'm going to say there's probably something about like, you're going to die hard, but I don't know. (laughs) I'm really convinced. (laughs) I'm really convinced that this title is important. The gimmick of the movie you see (laughs) is that Bruce Willis dies in each one, but then comes back to life and is harder to kill each time. So that was actually, that was one of my predictions I forgot to say, which is I don't think Bruce Willis is going to die in this movie because I'm pretty sure I saw him in the trailer for one of the later movies. (laughs) Yes, he does. He does make it to the sequel. He's going to make it. Have you seen any of the sequels? I think I've seen part of one of them. There was so one of these movies, I think the bad guy is Irish or from the IRA and there's an explosion and it has green confetti in it. I think that is from a Die Hard movie. Okay. Maybe it's from this one. Maybe the IRA is the bad guy in this movie. So is it a green explosion or green confetti? There's green confetti in In the the explosion explosion. as well as the you know dynamite or whatever it is yeah by the way guys what do we think who do we think the bad guys are gonna be in this terrorists terrorists oh i think alan rickman is austrian okay terrorists it sounds sounds yeah, like I a mean, terrorist yeah, yeah terror but just like I, I don't know what their motivation is but i think he's hans austrian would be Aust- hans could be an austrian name yeah you don't no idea on their motivations at all terror <laughs> i don't think it's personal i don't think they're like out to get bruce willis i think bruce willis is just the right guy in the right place to like, you know, save the world or the city or whatever right. he's he's saving. Right. Um, I'm I'm gonna assume it's, you know, overthrow of the US, maybe. Okay, so standard terrorist motive. Standard think, terrorist motive. I think it's like a maybe a heist, like they're trying to steal a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what Die Hard Three was. I think they're trying to steal a bunch of gold. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm still channeling that this is just twenty four in movie format. <laughs> I actually that's reasonable, I think. 
I have never seen 24, so I, I don't, don't either. I don't I've, know what that means. I've, I've, seen, only, I've seen a lot of commercials. I haven't watched much of it, but it's basically because they do multiple seasons. The same guy has to save the world in 24 hours over, mo- and, over. over and over. And so yeah. by the like sixth or seventh season, you're like, why is it always this guy who has to save the world? So I think it's that's the same thing with the Die Hard movies is that Bruce Willis keeps having to up the dying harder game. I think that's probably a fair prediction. I remember when Die Hard 2 came out. I think I was in third grade. They kept being the Die Hard, Die Harder, then Die Hardest joke because we had just learned, you know, superlatives or whatever. Those and are. how how words exactly words work. We all yeah. were pretty darn clever. And then what do you know? You were just as clever as a Hollywood screenwriter. There you go. <laughs> but they didn't make Die Hard 3 Die Hardest, which they missed out on a good opportunity. They really should have Die Hard with a vengeance. Oh, sweet. That'll be Die Hard 5. I hope. Yeah. Let's hope. Here's hoping. Or maybe. He finally dies. Oh, yeah. That'd be sad. All right. Well, anything else I have, you want to throw out? I have a few more. Oh, yeah? Okay. Yeah. You can cut it if you get bored, but here you go. Yeah. Um, I believe he's going to be an NYPD cop. Okay. Um, he is going to be married, I think, but the marriage is going to be on the rocks. Mm. That's very Bruce Willis. I feel like that's Bruce Willis in everything. Yeah. And also in real life. Yeah. Womp womp. I, I think his wife is going to be pregnant because his kid is like a big part of movie three and four. I did definitely did not think there were going to be family dynamics in this movie. I know. We have that written down. I, I think it's just like, I do not think this will, this will pass the Bechdel test. Oh, at all. That's, that's, a, that's a good one. Good I, prediction. Yeah. I, I'm curious, will there be any women in it to, to even attempt the test? I think there's only going to be one, probably his wife. Who's he's like, man, what a bitch or something like that. I feel like that's going to be it. Mm. I'd believe it. Yeah. All right. Only got a few more left. Um, So it'll be similar to Lethal Weapon and Beverly Hills Cop, um, but less funny. Like, I don't (laughs) I don't think we're going to laugh the entire time. Interesting. At least not intentionally. Okay. No laughs, huh? Yeah. This will have no relation to the Sears brand of diehard batteries. (laughs) I Which were a big that. deal in the '90s, and I was, and I thought they're related because, again, they're great, they're right, right around that area. Like, yeah. Uh, do you think there will be any uh, marketing tie-ins? Yes, what I hope you, so. What do you think? I I think there should better be a battery. I'm imagining like a car battery, and mm. like he's got to like jump the car to like outrace the explosion or something. <laughs> I don't know. All right, all right. I like it. Also, tie-ins? I mean Pepsi. I was like Coke or Pepsi. Yeah. Coke, yeah, they're always there. Probably past the time where they're doing cigarettes, right? I remember uh, cigarette. Uh, when oh, is you this mean movie like from nineteen eighty-eight? Okay. I just remember uh, in one of the Superman movies, he gets punched through like a Marlboro truck or something. It always really stands out to me. I'm like, my God, cigarettes in a movie! <laughs> All right, going on. I don't. I do not think there will be any interesting music in this. Hmm. I mean, maybe interesting, but nothing that I'll be like, oh, that's from Die Hard. It's right. Just like, yeah. I think I kind of give away the game sometimes in this podcast because I only ask that question sometimes. Yeah. And well, I, I didn't know I, I was not going to ask, ask it. Not in this one. Yeah. Like, I was hoping we were going to be like be singing a Die Hard song, but no chance. I mean, there might even be a Die Hard song, but I don't have any recollection of it. I like sing it to Wayne's World in my head. Hmm. Yeah. Wait, how does that go? It's Wayne's, Wayne's World, World. Wayne's World. So die, die hard, hard, die hard, party time. Excellent. I'm going to come clean with you guys. Uh, Wayne's World is on my list of films that I've never seen. Let's watch that instead right now. 
I can, I can go home, bring. I'll be back, and I'll be watching on Plex. I'll have it on in five minutes. <laughs> oh my god, the like, the rare two two parter episode. <laughs> I can call you guys back for when I do that one. Sweet, that's one of my favorite movies. Really, I've, o- mm-hmm. I've only seen it once. He made me watch it. It was good. I okay. approved. Lived up to the hype. Yeah, that was mm. convincing. Yeah, I know. There was a lot of hype when I was in fifth grade for that movie. It was like Dude, maybe six, out of control. I mean, that's one of the ones that's like inspired this because for me, like I have friends who are just like, oh my God, when I just like, I have no faith that the movie can live up to the hype that I've heard for it. That's fair. I'm that and Blues Brothers. Mm. The first, I've seen the, uh, yeah, I've seen either of them. Like little bits of them. All right. This is my very last one. Okay. There will be a multi-vehicle chase or multi-type of vehicle change. Like, like car to helicopter to boat to plane. I see. Because I think, I think, because like there's that family guy, like gag they do where he's fighting oh, the chicken. and the fight keeps like building yeah, and building. I and think go that's from... from Die Hard. Okay, okay, that's a good one. Yeah, but everything I'm thinking of from Die Hard Three might actually be the movie Face Off. I'm not actually sure. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> there's some of that in Face Off. All right. I feel like that one could be a better never. Face Off. I've seen it. I haven't seen. I remember loving it as a kid. I don't know how well it would hold up. I don't remember loving it, but I've seen it many times. I have one question that I want to ask you guys. What do you think the setting of this movie is? Like the physical setting? Yeah. Like where do you think this movie takes place? I think it takes place in a major urban center, but potentially one that's like, well, it's probably a U.S. one. Yeah, it's probably a major urban center like. I don't know, New York or LA or something like that. Okay. And Eric, I know you mentioned you think that there's going to be a chase from like one vehicle to another, but do you think there's like a location where most of this happens? I believe it's New York City. Okay. Cool, cool. So I will say Face Off has Nicolas Cage as an action hero who falls in the same category as Bruce Willis for me of why is this person an action hero? I can agree with that. Now, he has a lot of great action movies, but I'm like, he was much better in non-action movies. Yeah, I don't know. I This is this is what I was saying before. I don't know how either of them became action heroes. So I'm wondering if if this is when Bruce Willis became an action hero. And maybe some point I'll have to do the, the research and figure out what happened with Nicolas Cage. Well, Emily, at least insofar as Bruce Willis, I think we're about to find out. Yeah. Are we all ready to watch Die Hard? Yeah. Let's do it. All right, let's fucking do it. Woo. We'll be right back. We thank you one and all and wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. It's Christmas Eve in L.A. But a team of terrorists. You want money? What kind of terrorists are you? Who said we were terrorists? Have their own holiday plans. And I'm telling you, you just got to kill me. Okay. We do it the hard way. But the one thing they didn't plan on was New York cop. John McClane. Got invited to the Christmas party by mistake. Who knew? Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? yippee ki mother... And you'll have it! They have already killed one hostage. This channel is reserved for emergency calls only. Lady, do I sound like I'm ordered a pizza? Come to Papa, honey. Only if New Jersey counts. What does he think he's doing? Good job. 
artillery on us. Your idiot is not the police. It's him. <laughs> He's an easy guy to like. Welcome to the party, pal. And a hard man to kill. Bruce Willis. Die Hard. And so that was Die Hard. Yes, it was. That was that was pretty intense. Whew, I know. I feel like I'm sweaty from like sympathy sweat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just such a stressful evening. I I am barefoot right now, and it, it was kind of nerve wracking walking around. Oh my god, I know. And so we'll we'll get to that. <laughs> but uh, let's start by talking a little bit about the background for this movie, Die Hard. So the first thing that I think is interesting about this film, it's written by two guys. One of them is named Steven D'Souza. The other one is named Jeb Stewart, which for history aficionados is the name of a Confederate general. Okay. Yeah. I'm not crazy. Yep. Yeah. Confederate general. Uh, different guy. What? <laughs> yeah. Oh. It's not the Confederate general. All right. Oh, okay. Uh, but anyway, so this movie is based on... Roderick Thorpe's novel, Nothing Lasts Forever, which was a sequel to his 1966 book, The Detective, which was adapted into a movie of the same name starring Frank Sinatra. Fox was contractually obligated to offer Sinatra the lead role in Die Hard. What? (laughs) But he turned it down. Yeah, he was like 70 by then, wasn't he? Yeah, he was old. He certainly wasn't going to be acting in this movie but they had to give him the offer i guess wow well and sinatra's a single take guy so that would have been pretty tough oh my god it would have been actually this movie would be pretty hilarious with sinatra in the lead role yeah there's a rumor also that this movie was scripted to be a sequel to the arnold schwarzenegger film commando uh nice the writers deny this but uh there is a lot of kind of apocryphal talk that uh, schwarzenegger was offered this role as well but he turned it down been very austrian he should have been hans gruber i know it would have been too hard to tell him apart from the bad guys <laughs> if he was in it and also it would have broken some of the dynamic of the film which yeah. we'll get to but um other actors who were offered the role were uh sly stallone harrison ford don johnson wow who yeah. is don johnson miami vice nash bridges okay yeah uh not someone you really need to know. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's a pretty big name. I just picture a white suit and those stupid loafers. Yeah, that's yeah, that's pretty right on. Yeah. I can't picture his face. Just his stupid shoes. You got it. I feel he's, like he was kind of a douchey guy in a comedy in the 90s as well. I can't well, think maybe. of it. Miami Vice? I think that was in the 80s, but yeah. <laughs> uh, this is less reliable, but I also saw on the internet a few other names. Uh, Richard Gere would have been terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Clint Eastwood and Burt Reynolds. So, I don't know. But the casting of Bruce Willis was uh, kind of interesting. Willis, at, up to this point, was not a movie star. He'd been in a couple of films as an extra, and he had been a lead in one movie prior to this, but he was mostly known as a TV actor for the TV show Moonlighting, and he was mostly known as a comic actor, too. He was nobody's idea of an action star. But... He was offered $5 million to play John McClane, which especially for back then was like superstar money. That's a lot of money. Yeah. 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 I mean, even today. And, you know, in today money, it's like 
$200 billion. <laughs> I would take $5 million to, to do that role. Uh, yeah, me too. Yeah. Me too. But um, interestingly enough, uh, his casting apparently, and I didn't dig too deeply into this, but apparently was influenced by some early kind of uh, like algorithmic data mining. It was the early days of CinemaScore, and the people who did CinemaScore were like involved in advising the casting of Bruce Willis and the marketing of this movie, which I thought was a little interesting. And you can look that up if you want on your own later. But Because everyone else you listed was already an action star. Right. And Willis was not. So Like if it was Stallone, it'd be like one of the many Stallone movies. Instead of like with Bruce Willis, like so that was the they, first one. So did they have to pay him to like lift weight? Like was he already kind of like, because he's kind of jacked. Yeah, he was pretty he's ripped. He's in like, really good shape in this. <laughs> that like, first scene where he's like bending over in front of the mirror, I was like, damn. I know. Uh, I do not know. Maybe. Probably. I mean, they knew he was going to be in that wife beater for most of the movie, so they probably got had him get in good shape. Yeah. Here's a fun little behind-the-scene fact. So for his death scene, Alan Rickman was dropped 70 feet what? on a green screen set. The shot used in the movie is the very first take. Alan Rickman was dropped sooner than he had been told oh he God. would be. So that the look on, of fear on, on his face would be genuine. Yeah. Oh my They're God. like, all right, we're going to drop you in five. And then they dropped him on three. <laughs> oh, man. And 70 feet. That is no That's fucking really, joke. What did he land on? I didn't think you could drop humans 70 feet. Like, it must have been like a giant trampoline. Oh, yeah. Maybe he was on a bungee. Yeah. Or I'm a cushion. Pull out my quadratic equation. How far? How long was that? T- would that like, be like three seconds of falling? Just free fall? <sighs> yeah, probably. I mean, it, it's it's a long drop, but I, I think that's a fun little trivia tidbit. Also, according to the DVD commentary, the original script did not include the uh, brief meeting between John McClane and Hans Gruber, but they wrote it into the movie when they felt that Alan Rickman could perform a convincing American accent. Oh, my God. Did CinemaScore tell him that? Oh, my know. God. This Emily, was, do you disagree? I disagree. I basically spent the whole movie saying, wow, Alan Rickman is really bad at accents. Like, he can't do the German-Austrian accent. He's like, he's just, I, like, he says, like, two words that sound German, and then he just sounds British again. And then he just sounds like Snape almost immediately. Well, he yeah. sounds or, like Alan Rickman. He sounds like Alan Rickman. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Which I think probably because of this movie, most Americans think that Europeans and Germans in particular probably just sound like Alan Rickman. Yeah, does he have, like, a British, like, what's his, like... He's British. He's British. Oh, I know he's British, but, like, if you went to Britain, would you ever meet anyone who sounded like him? I don't know. I think it's just because his voice is very, like, low it's very and distinct. hollow. Very and distinct. It's, and so it's very... Do each yeah. of, Can each of us do an Alan Rickman? I can't do any accent ever. Oh, my gosh. Well, well that's, like, an figure... impression. Do you want to give it a try? I need to figure out what I would say, though. Hold on. Let me... Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to. You go first. <laughs> Let me think about it for a second. All right, wait, wait, wait. I'll go first. Um... <clears throat> Maybe something from the movie. Um. <coughs> what was it you said? Yippee ki yay, motherfucker. That was excellent. Oh, really? oh yeah? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, it. I felt like it needed to be a little bit lower, but I thought that was... Hello. I'm getting there. It, it's it's so like... It, I feel like it's simultaneously in the back of your throat and at the top of your nose. Interesting. All right. You dare use my own spells against me, Potter. That was, yep. 
right, you try. All right, so I'm going to try. I'm going to try uh, from Sense and Sensibility, which is where I know him best. Um, She's been practicing this all week. I haven't been practicing this. <laughs> I have never attempted this. Um, well, there's nothing lost that can't be found if sought. That's my Alan Rickman. Good cadence. <laughs> See, practiced. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, we'll we'll get around to talking about his acting, but first, let's talk about the directing of this movie. The director is this guy named John McTiernan. Now, this guy went on a crazy run of really good classic action movies right around this period. So, he's known for directing Predator, Die Hard, and The Hunt for Red October. Ooh. Damn. All really good movies, yes. in my opinion. I really like all of those. Less good... The Thirteenth Warrior, Rollerball. Wait a minute, Rollerball. I've not seen Rollerball. That was kind of like it was like an X was Games cool movie. In that? I don't know. It had the guy I think though from American Pie. Jason Biggs. Jace, uh Chris Klein. Do the lacrosse player. Stifler. No, no, the the, the <laughs> jockey one. Yeah, the lacrosse player. The one who then was in like American Dreams. Oh, I didn't see that. I don't oh. know. Well, anyway. Uh, <laughs> And then, and then he has some like kind of more middle movies. Like he did Die Hard with a Vengeance, came back for that one. So he didn't do Die Hard two. No, he did not do Die Hard two. He also did uh, Last Action Hero, which is a movie I find very polarizing. A lot of people it. hate it. Some people really like it. I've never How does seen it compare it. with Predator? Not as good. <laughs> <laughs> I have not seen that one. <laughs> yeah, you don't need to hurry with that. Um, also, John McTiernan went to jail. In 2006, John McTiernan was charged in federal court with making a false statement to an FBI investigator about hiring a PI to illegally wiretap someone he had a dispute with over the movie Roll- Rollerball. <laughs> Rollerball. Uh, so that means Rollerball had a net loss at the box office. Uh, probably. They disagreed that. on something. Uh, he entered a plea bargain and then tried to withdraw it, and it almost went to the Supreme Court, uh, but they denied the option of hearing the case. He spent a year in jail at the Yankton facility, which was rated by Forbes magazine as one of America's 10 cushiest prisons. <laughs> but Thanks, what Forbes. did cinema score stay? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, he also went bankrupt. But anyway, he directed a very good movie in so I, Die Hard. I couldn't tell if he had much hatred for federal officials or not oh based on gosh. the FBI guys. The FBI guys were awesome. They were hilarious. I mean, what did we think of the directing, though? I thought it was great. Like, because like, the pacing in the beginning and the way, like, like when Hans Gruber shows up and they just start doing stuff. And like, here's a shot of, like, the gates going down. Here's a shot of this. And you're like, what are they doing? Um, yeah. like, it really, like, is well-paced. And I like, too, how the pace slowly starts ramping up as the movie goes on. So, like, you get the start and it's like, what's happening? Where is this going? And then, like, it initiates. And even the action starts slow where, like, he's picking guys off one at a time and then gradually it all falls apart. Yeah. Yeah. And it's good. It's good, solid action movie direction. Like, not flashy, but everything is very clear. Like, you have a good sense of geography of the building. Yeah, I appreciated that I could actually see what was going on. I feel yep. like I feel like action movies these days. There's there's too much Transformers. Um, there's too much of like I don't know what that was, but it was all moving right in front of my eyes. Exactly. Yeah, this was all like really clear. Also, it had. Um, I feel like they've gone away from this 
nowadays, but they were still using it then. The giant squibs of blood where like you get shot once and it's just this huge explosion. Like the guy gets shot in the knees. Oh my god, oh, the wow. knees. That was nasty. Ah, it's like that was the glorious part of the movie. It's like they burst, I know. Yeah. So at the very least very competently directed. So I have a question. Yeah. What genre of action film is this? Because you asked me in the first part what genres I like, and I gave a lame answer because I don't even know how to answer that. Let's circle back to that Excellent. a little bit uh, in the legacy section, but um, we'll, we'll talk about that. Um, let's do the cast first, though. So we mentioned him already, but Bruce Willis as not Ron, <laughs> but John McClane. <laughs> yeah, right before the movie started, I was like, damn, it's John. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> I think he's great. This. I think he did great. It's the quintessential Bruce Willis performance. Mm-hmm. Well, he's yes. like the everyman kind of the whole time. Right. It's like very simple guy. He's like smarter than everybody, but he like has a very simple job. Not a simple job, but just like, I'm doing the right thing. Yeah. I, I would say uh, no different from the guy he played in Fifth Element. Not much different from the guy he played in Unbreakable. Yep, very similar. It's just Bruce Willis. Yeah. Who he, is wonderful and charismatic. It's the Bruce Willis role. And he plays Bruce Willis. He's just a simple... Every man kind of guy who just gets the job done. And hey, maybe he has some problems with authority, but it's because they're getting in his way, stopping him from doing what he's supposed to do. The characterization at the beginning was fascinating, where he's like, I am the stewardess. And he's like, I am some girl at the airport. And then I was waiting for him to, yeah. But then I was like, then he was like, I'm being a real nice guy. I'm a great husband. Then I'm like, I'm kind of a jerk about the last name. I was waiting for him to like pet a dog at some point, like be like, look how nice of a guy this is. But there are no dogs. Yeah, yeah, he's I, flawed. I didn't think flawed. that actually made any sense for the story, the whole like ogling all the women. I was like, that seemed random. Like, I, I thought they were divorced or something because he wasn't, I don't know. It just, it seemed wrong. I think it, it, the idea is that like, he's just such a regular guy's guy, you know, like. Well, in that I'm not a guy, I did not know that that's what regular guy's guys did. Well, but if you Anything think about. Bruce Willis does, the guy's guy. <laughs> yeah. But also the conception of, like, what a regular dude was back then. Like, he gets there and, like, he's all critical of, you know, oh, welcome to Los Angeles. Like, you yeah, know. Yeah, that was also weird. I've never ridden in a limo before. He sits, he sits in the shotgun. front of the limo. I yeah. know, it's so weird. <laughs> you know, he's just, like. It's like the people who get in the front of an Uber. <sighs> That's what they originally wanted. They sit in front I of an know. Uber and Lyft. It's like, you should do this. It's like, nobody wants this. I briefly drove for Lyft. And uh, my very first pickup asked if she could sit in the front. And I was like. I guess, but I, I was not happy about then it. Then you got two stars, and that was the end. <laughs> yeah, basically. No, I got, I got an okay rating, but just I'm not naturally very chatty with strangers, yeah. and uh, that's not always what people want. In I get I get pretty chatty with cab drivers sometimes. Yeah, I appreciate it when they don't talk to me. Well, they should have the button as an option when you get picked up. It's like talking, no talking. Yeah, that's a good idea. I like that. Or that should like invent a rideshare program where like that's the only difference <laughs> or like silent car we invent the app silent car i like it yeah so speaking of ogling there was that one scene with he runs into some like hallway yeah and oh, there's and the, like the new the poster, poster on the wall and he like smacks it with his high hand. fives like, it hey yeah he, he i'd say he gropes it It'd be more adequate he gropes it that's good yeah i felt like he was sort of like slapping it for luck the way like an athlete would like hit like a logo on the way out onto the ball field kind of a thing Nice, yeah, except nice that touch. it was, you know, a naked woman. Well, sure. Because, you know, it's probably construction workers who put it up. Again, regular sure. man's men. Yeah. Men's man's. A lot of the a lot of the patriarchy in this movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Let's talk about your predictions about Bruce Willis specifically. So, 
He was an NYPD cop. He was married, and his uh, marriage was on the rocks. His wife was not pregnant. He did not have to save a city or the world. It was a much smaller adventure. I was was totally wrong. I definitely did not think it was like a family-oriented saving thing. So... Yep, and we have he did have the personal connection. Yep. It was like Taken, where his family was <laughs> in danger. And I guess this is more of a directing thing, but did you feel like this movie was kind of like Speed? Uh, I think so. It's been a while since I've seen Speed, but it feels like the same genre. Yes, and again, that's something we're going to loop back to. And it had an elevator scene similar to Speed. Oh, that's true. That was the opening, the opening explosion the elevator. in the shaft. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It looks like Eric was correct on the hair front. Yeah, I know. That was a lot more hair than I've ever seen I Bruce Willis. Was, that was more hair than I expected. That's you know, the most I'm hair you've probably ever had. I didn't know he had brown hair. Really? I think wow. I thought he was a blonde. Wow. Really? Because I've never really seen him with I, hair. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, fair enough. A blonde just like Alan Rickman. Right. Yeah, again, <laughs> not, not quite. we got to find out if he was ever a blonde in a movie. No. I'm willing to bet maybe something somewhere. No. I'm going to go with no. <laughs> he did wear a dirty white shirt and bled profusely, although you noticed the continuity error where his shirt mysteriously turned green? It turned like, yeah, black or charcoal or something. Like So the one thing I might give them is it might be that crawling through the ventilation shafts turned everything dirty. Yeah. But it was like a very consistent sort of charcoal gray. You wouldn't I was like, get he that changed like, shirts. I think it was just even a shirt color. Yeah. Yeah. He must have stolen it off like of a dead terrorist. Either it's continuity error or he or changed. I yeah, think it's a continuity error. Yeah. How can, I mean, he only we'll wears one where? out. He only wears one outfit for the whole movie. The wardrobe people were like, go to Target, buy five wife beaters, put various amounts of blood on them, costume done. You don't even have to buy shoes. No, you don't. Um, he does not do a cliffhang, but he, he does. Jumped he jumped off the building off with a building, fire hose, which was that's awesome. Pretty close. Well, Alan Rickman did a cliffhang. Oh, that's true. Yeah, well, you're right. He did the it, thing it was not the, at all what I was thinking, but you know, whatever. he did the thing on the ventilator shaft or the air oh, shaft. That was terrifying. Oh yeah, that yeah, was yeah. sort of cliffhangy. My hands were really sweaty in that part. I'm yes. like, why are you doing this? This is unnecessary. This is yeah, a like bad just shoot plan. back. <laughs> well, when I think of cliffhanging, though, I have this specific vision of like just the one-handed. Yeah, yeah, yep. Not that it has to be that. He never um he never belted himself into a chair, hit a clip and did an explosion. But again, the roof jump is very similar With to what you have. Fire hose, yeah. I think it happens in Die Hard too. I feel like I saw it in a oh, preview okay. and he I think he said not again, but well I don't know. Yeah. I, that that's sort of like a big theme I think with Die Hard 2 is like how like because in this one so much is made of the fact that he's just a regular dude and in the second one it's all like how does this bullshit keep happening to me over and over again <laughs> and then generally speaking there was some questioning is Bruce Willis gonna work as an action hero oh yeah I think he worked I mean at this point in yeah. the world we know it works oh yeah but, no uh, I, uh, yeah yeah he's he's pretty great and he creates a genre which we'll talk about. Oh man. oh, man. That's exciting. But first, let's talk about the real star of this movie. Wait, so this came out Alan before Rickman? Predator? No. This came out a year after Predator. A year after Predator, okay. But Alan Rickman as, Al- as Hans Alan Gruber. Rickman. Was this his first big movie? This is his first movie. Wow. Like, okay, yeah, it is. shows. His film debut, <laughs> I disagree. I, I think he's fantastic. Disagree. Oh, I mean, yeah. okay. Well, you have the more controversial take, Emily, so why don't you talk first? I, I just think he's like... I can see the early stages of Alan Rickman where he's working on his brooding 
Um, but Did you it wasn't, think he was brooding? I thought he was, I thought he was brooding, but I, I didn't think know. he had it locked in. Like, I mm. just felt like he was a little bit here, there, and everywhere. And I'll be honest, those accents were so terrible. So uh, terrible. Maybe he made the accents like that for the American audience. More consumable. I just, I feel like he had not yet found his stride. What what role do you think is his stride? Well, I, he's definitely there by Robin Hood. Which I, yeah, that's got to like be like a later. year later. Yeah, I like know, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm saying this is like a rare window into like, Preformed or not fully formed, Alan Rickman. I say, and his no. accent wasn't great there because it did not match Kevin Costner's. <laughs> yeah, that's his fault. <laughs> <laughs> he's so good in this. He's very good. I just don't think he's peak Alan Rickman. I see peak Alan Rickman. W- what about the American accent? He, he did that was awful. That, <laughs> no, it was terrible. It was all terrible. It reminded me of watching. What's that movie? It's the Cinderella movie with Drew Barrymore where she Ever can't after. do Ever After. She can't do an accent to save her fucking life. Hmm. That's an excellent movie. It's an excellent movie. Her accent drives me bonkers. Interesting. I'll have to check that one out. Well, I mean, what did you think of Hans Gruber though? Good character? Yeah. Yeah. It's a pretty iconic one. We'll talk about that during the movie, but first we got to talk about Bonnie Bedelia as Holly Gennaro McLean. I liked her. Yeah. Not a whole lot to the role. It was way more than I expected. Really? Like, she was, like, an executive at a company, and she told people off, and, like... Yeah, she had power. She actually... I, did you see it pass the Bechdel test in, the like, the second scene? Well... Wait, did? Who'd she talk yeah, to? Yeah, she talked to her assistant about work. Oh, they do talk about work? Yeah. Is that all it takes to pass? I was Is thinking... one conversation about, about not a man? Yeah. I must have missed it because I was I I had written down that all their conversations are just about John, but I guess I must have missed that one. Yeah, I don't think I I wrote it down, but I might have gotten it wrong. I don't know. I it's probably just me being typical man, not listening when ladies <laughs> are talking. I really yeah. thought she was sleeping with her coworker, like the cokehead. Eh. Oh yeah. Oh cokehead. Guy. Like I thought when like because he was doing lines off her desk, yeah. and like she walked in off the bathroom, and I thought her like because her shirt was like cut really low. It at was that very point. low cut. But then they zoomed in on her, and it was not low cut anymore. And then it went mm-hmm. back. I mm-hmm. think. Oh, uh, just circling back to to our Alan Rickman predictions. Um, his name was Hans Gruber. Yes, he was German, not Austrian. But uh, you know that do they say that. Well, they say they speak was... German in is, Austria. Is that canon, Dave, or did you look it up in, I, in an article? <laughs> I mean, they say he's part of a German terrorist group. I no, guess I just they did assuming. West German. You're right. They said that the Volksfrei movement. Um, he is a terrorist, but his motive is not terrorism. It is a heist. He does die hard, Emily. He does. Very elaborate. That was a very that was a very hard death. Very hard piece of concrete that he hit. Yep, and that he hits the ground hard. Yep. Yep. I feel like they could have found a way to do that without killing anybody. Just saying. Throw him out a window. I mean, they didn't even try. Oh, the heist. He has to walk in and go bam. Well, wait, what? He's saying that they could have pulled off the heist without killing anyone. Yeah, but after touch. The thing at the end, though, is they have to blow the roof and kill everybody so that no one knows they're still alive. Yeah. Okay. All right. So no one's coming after them. That makes sense. So they'd all die at the end. All right. I take it back. Yeah. So uh, we do, in fact, get Reginald Vell Johnson (laughs) as Sergeant Al Powell. He had a really big part. Yeah. I did not expect. I thought he was like for two seconds in like the beginning. It's like, oh, hey, there's Carl Winslow. And that's it. No, no, he's for real in this. One of his biggest cop roles. So, uh... Behind, <laughs> behind Family Matters, of course. Yep, and Ghostbusters, and Turner and Hooch, and the TV show Chuck, 
and another movie called Plain Clothes, and a cameo in Die Hard 2. <laughs> that cameo in Die Hard 2 has to be what I'm thinking of. Yeah. If he's wearing a cop uniform. If not, then I just saw this part of the movie. He plays a cop a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Does uh, he, how many movies does he not play a cop? Oh, God. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. And the only reason why he wasn't a bigger role in Die Hard 2 is because he was, by that point, doing Family Matters, so he couldn't commit to any more time. Mm-hmm. So, gotcha. yeah. No Sam Jackson, unfortunately. But we do uh, have one other guy I want to talk about. Uh, you mentioned Emily Alexander Gudanov as Carl, the... Uh, Carl the K. Yes, yeah. the terrorist henchman. Yeah. Not much to say about him on my end other than I thought this was interesting. He was a Russian ballet dancer who defected from the USSR and then did a few movies. Is He's, Carl the one with the flowing hair or the short hair? He had, he, the, he had he the flowing was, locks. He was the Long non-nerdy blonde. brother. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He was the one who came back alive after having been strangled. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I just like that he was a ballet dancer. He seems very large for a ballet dancer. Like, I know that, like, the men in ballet, they're very strong and they lift people, but I thought they were not as broad in the shoulder mm. and that they were a little bit shorter. Let alone fact, Fair. Bruce Willis is 5'2". What? What? No, what? Is that true? I, mean, I thought everyone was going to know I was lying on that. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. I, <laughs> I thought he was one of the taller movie stars. Because, uh, what, what, like... Tom Cruise is like three foot five, right? Yes. He's like a gremlin. Yes. Anyway, other predictions just to knock him off. This does not take place in New York City. Hey, I said LA. It's true. Urban setting. Mm -hmm. Boom. Well done. Is it an urban setting? It's just a big building. Well, that's... Technically, I feel like the answer should have been skyscraper. Yeah. Yeah. This is why I asked, because uh, this rather famously takes place in Nakatomi Plaza. Is that a real (laughs) building? Skyscraper. Uh, the building is real. It's not called Nakatomi okay. Plaza, though. Um, I, it's like the Fox Center or something like that. Um, 20th Century Fox, that kind of center? Maybe. Yeah, I think so. Um, there were bombs, but no trains. No trains. Was uh, there a model of a train? Maybe? Might have been. No, Maybe. They were clearly an oil company. It. I guess it passed the Bechdel test. Did we think it was funny? No. 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 I mean, we laughed a couple times, but it was not intentional. Yeah, there are a few laugh out loud moments, but certainly not like Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah, or or even Lethal Weapon. Right, right. Which is also hilarious. Not like Beverly Hills Cop. We do not get a car chase by dint of the kind of movie it is. I was shocked there was no car chase. There was backwards car driving. It's true. Yeah, that was And some car crashing. I thought Carl Winslow was going to die during that. Yeah, I was going to say the the armored car was going to try and bust its way through the doors, but couldn't even make it up the stairs. Yeah, that was like an epic fail all the way. I didn't know what they were trying to do. So, the plot of this movie. Mm. So, I think the beginning of this movie does a very good job of establishing Bruce Willis as just a regular guy. You know, like, he doesn't like to fly. He's afraid of flying. Mm -hmm. He's, you know, gruff and not used to the luxuries in life. And, uh, you know, he's he's just a cop. I did notice, though, well, one, his seatmate on the plane talks to him. Which is, I think I've mentioned, I don't like when strangers talk to me. He had no phone to look at, so that's kind of all you had to do in the 80s on a plane. It's true. people. Well, speaking of the 80s, there are a lot of little 80s indicators. Like, one, he has a gun on the airplane. Yeah, yeah. I was like, who gets to fly with a gun? Apparently cops do. Not anymore. Yeah. He's I also- think, I think the air marshals still well, can, Yeah, though. but they're like, they're sky police. They're sky cops. Right. Um, Apparently, you were, were you allowed to in the 80s, or is that just like part of the, part of the movie? I'm assuming, I, but I don't know. 
smoking indoors in the airport in the, airport. In the building much mm-hmm. smoking a lot of smoking <laughs> the the lady does uh say she's going to be drinking while pregnant nah. <laughs> i miss that i definitely miss that and then uh, it's subtle but um part of the movie hints at the kind of american obsession in the late 80s with japanese corporate takeovers oh interesting i thought we were going to talk about cocaine let's talk about cocaine <laughs> Speaking of the 80s yeah. I wasn't even looking up. I was like, I was looking down at my notes as I was writing, and I just heard the sound effect <laughs> of him snorting it. And I was like, up, oh, here's the asshole 80s business guy. <laughs> and there he is. Oh, he looks perfect, too, with yeah. that beard. That guy. He was doing coke off his boss's desk. Bold. It was Holly's desk, wasn't it? It's bold, yeah. 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 It's a bold move. At least go to the bathroom for it, man. But or his own desk? He must have one somewhere. Maybe not. You know, maybe maybe he's what overinflating. What are you talking about? He, uh, yeah, he closes million dollar deals every day for breakfast. For breakfast, yeah. I think is how he puts it. Oh God, he's such a dick. I'm always so happy when he dies. <laughs> like I just, I have no sense of danger in that moment. I'm like praying <laughs> for Hans to shoot him. Also, movie trope: Holly Gennaro makes a phone call and then she just hangs up without saying goodbye. I try to do that now because I see it in movies so much. How does it go? Uh, I think I'm actually gotten okay at it i don't know i think it goes don't object to it could you just like figure out the conversation's over hang it up you don't even say like see you later uh maybe that's what it is i'm like see you later but then i don't say bye i don't talk on the phone (laughs) yeah that's another thing people actually use the phone so there's a lot of stuff established at the start very quickly and effectively though so we get the state of their marriage and we get the layout and deal with the building. Like, we see that it's a high-tech building where you can control a lot with computers. We get the establishing of the freight elevator and, like, his familiarity with, like, where that is so he can use, like, the shaft and everything. We did? Doesn't he take the freight I don't elevator think I up understood. to the top? I don't think I understood that there are two different elevators. I was very I impressed that. with his knowledge of how elevators work and yeah. that he kept being able to pry doors open and stuff because I was like, I would not be able to do that. Emily, what did you think of the UI when he walked up to the garden? They're like just punching her name. Yeah, I thought it was very, uh, it was very eighties of like, oh, the future is touch screens and cameras for security and like location tracking. Which, by the way, we don't actually have something where you can uh, be like, I'm looking for Eric, and be like, he's on the fifth floor near the bathrooms. We have that with companies in my, in my building. Oh, type man. in the company and touch about Florida. Oh, yeah, with the company, but not the person. Not the person. That'd be weird. Well, Amazon has started shipping employees so that they can tell where they are. I mean, Tracking? Probably like using... shipping? Yeah, like a subdermal chip. chip. Like what we do with oh, the cat. Chipping. Yeah. Oh. And um, wow. uh, a lot of nurses nowadays are required to wear GPS trackers. RTLS. So... Uh, what does that stand for? Real-time location services. Yeah, which I think is uh, absolutely terrifying and fucked up. They put on patients. They too. make the patients wear them. Oh, really? Yep. It's fun to look at the monitor and see where all the patients are. Uh, yeah. And every now and then they'll come into a room and be like, can you press the button on yours again? And you're like, they didn't know I was here. My thing turned off and I've been sitting here for an hour and no one knew I was in this room. Oh, I don't like it. <laughs> it's so invasive. <laughs> so then we get our attack on the party. And uh, it read to me a little bit like um, the scene in The Dark Knight when the Joker attacks that party. Like, oh, yeah, it's very similar. Everybody coming out of the elevator. And I, I halfway expected Alan Rickman to be like, we made it. <laughs> so what I didn't understand about that scene is the elevator opens. Yeah. And there's guys standing there with guns pointed up at the ceiling. And nobody notices them for like 
They were all half in the bag. I think I'm they were just, all just saying. They were all there coked was like a, up there was and a woman, really invested in their conversation. There was a woman right next to the elevator who just doesn't see them. And I'm like, you hear the elevator ding, you look. Well, they're all like 80s corporate types who just are like oblivious to the mm. world around them. Mm. If it's not a million dollar deal. It was a nicely shot scene, but I was like, someone would have seen them. Maybe. But these are very competent terrorists. They take over that building quick. One tiny thing I appreciated, too, was that the hacker guy actually types. Yeah. So often, uh, like, when they show typing, it's just, like, random key smashing. It does appear that he is actually typing, typing something. something. Yeah. 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 I love all the hacking. The hacking was mm. awesome. Yeah. You guys have anything for just, like, the beginning of this movie with our terrorist takeover? Uh, I guess point? pre-takeover, but related, is the, the opening guy in the plane telling him to curl his toes on a carpet. I'd never heard that, that before. I tried it on your carpet. Great. <laughs> no, I kind of hurt my toes. You might want to wash that spot. It's kind of, yeah. Right on. Um, Nothing. Hmm. But maybe you need a shaggier carpet. I thought he meant to do it on the plane. He's like, on the plane. Yeah, he meant to do it off. on the plane. Oh, like, did he? No, but yeah. he says after you land. I assumed oh, really? it was like, after you land, oh. take your shoes off on the plane and do that. But he What's did it. What's it supposed to accomplish? You I don't know. Feel better. Huh. But Stretch relief. I didn't really get the whole point of him not having shoes the whole movie. Was it really just a setup for the one scene later where we're going to like get glass on his feet? Like partially, but also to make it him vulnerable. But you know, it, like it, it's to make him vulnerable and capable of getting hurt worse, you know, and to limit him, mm-hmm. you know, because the whole point of this character is that he's not Syl- he's not Sylvester Stallone. He's not Arnold Schwarzenegger. And yet he did know how to use a machine gun, which I'm pretty sure that New York police detectives do not use. True, but how complicated can it be? Point he find was, a safety point. He shoot. was doing stuff with like the barrel. He was definitely like yeah, butting around with it. Like well, he knew what was happening. Yeah, but still, you know, in these fight sequences, he's not like doing karate or anything. Oh, he's yeah. getting his ass like whooped. The big for karate chops. Oh, there is a lot more. Carl knows karate. Carl knows karate. Yeah, karate for all the good it does him. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and we mentioned MacGyver earlier. That's a skill that he does have. He MacGyvers oh, yeah. his way through this whole movie. Yep. Especially- that thing with the gun and the strap was a really bad idea. I'm like, you're going to fall and die. Yeah. And he didn't, so. And similar move later in the movie where he ties the uh, fire hose around himself. I think the himself. fire hose was a worse idea than the uh, the gun and strap. But, but what, what are you going to do? bad. What else are you going to do? I thought that was a pretty good idea. Because it's going to release slowly as you pull it. I don't know. He lived, so, you know. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> I would not. I would not do that off the top of the but then you would have blowed up. Yeah, well, I would have died hard. <laughs> there you go. And there's also, uh, I think my favorite shot in this movie, it's a pretty famous one. It's the one where he's in the air vent and he uses the lighter to light it up and you get that straight on shot of him in the air vent. I think it's very cool. And I think, I don't know if there was a lot of people crawling through the vents before this, but I, I think it got more uh, common. Like in movies. Yeah. I feel like I've seen the scene before where they shoot at someone in... An air vent. I'm pretty sure they were shooting at Tom Cruise. Whatever scene it was Mission from. Mission Impossible? Some Mission Impossible. And I actually probably do the think first one. That, that probably comes back to the competence of the terrorists, which is that like they actually thought to do that, which was good. They almost got him. Almost <laughs> got him. So, we've got John McClane. He's taking him out one by one. He's kind of getting his ass kicked, but he's still winning. We get one of the most brutal deaths, I think, in movie history which is that a guy basically gets shot in the dick to death. 
Is that the guy standing on the table? The guy standing on the table. (laughs) Yeah, the squibs are not on his groin, but John is shooting straight up at him until he dies. Well, I mean, so they were definitely falling into the classic, like, movie trope of, like, I'm going to talk to you before I do this thing. So many times in this movie. So many times. I was like, just shoot him. People get the drop on him so many times in this film. At least twice. So uh, Hans gets gets the drop on them as well and doesn't take advantage. Hmm. Are there good reasons for it? Because he's a cop. He's like Batman. He won't kill anybody. Oh, right. There's that. Except for those 11 terrorists that he killed. Well, but that was in self-defense. Yeah. (laughs) I I mean, Carl doesn't kill him because John killed his brother and he wants to, like, beat him to death personally. So, like, fine. But Hans probably should have just shot him in the face. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Although he does actually pull the trigger and there's no bullets in that gun, so... Sure, but then he had an opportunity later when he had Holly hostage, and he didn't take it. It's true because they, because he yippee ki yayed, and then they like laughed weirdly. Another famous moment to the <laughs> like everybody, but at that point in the night, everyone's been through so much. It's kind of hysterical laughter. Sure, I buy know? it. It's just like ha 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 ha. You know, you're kind of like <laughs> drunk on like everything that's happened. Um, well, that's like that's a scene when he tapes the gun to his back. Yeah. yeah. How do you tape something to your back? Especially when you're that sweaty. Or slash bloody, yeah. Like, maybe not when you're not sweaty and bloody. Can you reach? I don't know. Yeah, no, the the reaching, I think, is the... Because this is clearly not a guy who does yoga. It was a good tape job. True. And how would he get the... Like, that gun would be so stuck when he tries to pull it off. It's the least realistic part of this movie, probably. Really? (laughs) I think the guy who got strangled by the chain and then came back after the building blew up on top of his head... That might be the most unrealistic part. All right, maybe. But, Emily, you mentioned the famous quote, yippee ki motherfucker. Yeah. I was wondering if you guys were familiar with that one. Had you heard that one before? I have. I feel like he does it in all of them. And he I does do like it in all of them. He yells it in other ones, and it sounds better when he yells it. True. He also, I think there's one of them where he, like, whispers it because it's, like, an ironic thing. But, um, yeah, that... That one is in all of them. So I'm pretty sure I know it only because I think you say it, Dave. Yeah. Or there's someone else that I know that says it. I can't imagine I say it that often, but then again, I do quote movies a lot. I think you say it at trivia. Oh, okay. Maybe. I know there's another quote from this movie that I do use occasionally, which is, um, Welcome to the party, pal. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably my favorite quote from this whole film. Although, um... Are there any other? I think I wrote down a couple other quotes that I, I mean, like. He says Geronimo, thing. motherfucker. But that's like the same as the EPKA. Yeah, basically, and not as good. There's Reginald Val Johnson's quote where, so we get this scene which plays a hell of a lot different nowadays than it did mm. back then, which is Reginald Val Johnson talking about how he accidentally shot a kid. There is a good quote in there, though, which is, um, what is it? Uh, At the Academy, they teach you how to deal with everything except for how to live with a mistake. Yeah, that was excellent. That was deep. And it's well delivered too. Yeah, he's good in this. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I didn't think he was gonna be like his character was gonna be quite as good after when he started out and he's just like a seven guy in Seven Eleven picking up a bunch of stuff, right? Doing a half-ass job of everything. But then he like quickly does a one eighty. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's an effective turn because you're right. Like in the beginning, you're like so annoyed with him, and you think he's gonna be basically the way everyone else in the police yeah. departments wind up being, which is more of a hindrance. But he's the actual like grounding factor so he was supposed to be like a desk cop but he's driving around in a cop car i guess i don't understand how that works yeah i don't know maybe he was on his way home i I don't know why he was out but he's definitely not a street cop anymore um 
Hang on. I had another quote that I wanted to mention real quick. And if you guys have anything you want to bring up too, by all means. Um, oh, yeah. Um, it's the Hans Gruber quote. You wanted a miracle? I give you the FBI. <laughs> Just the way he draws out that F. Which is very Alan Rickman. Yes, it's And so that's is. why I'm saying you're seeing early stage Alan Rickman. You have those moments of pure Alan Rickman. And then you have that fucking American accent. Oh, it's only for like two <laughs> minutes out of this two hour movie. It's fine. Yeah, so is the uh, German accent. Two minutes out of the entire movie. <laughs> uh, oh, um, you mentioned that the whoever wrote this movie clearly has no respect for um, police or even federal police. They also don't respect the press very much. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, no. Or talking heads on the, the expert oh, the, guy. The Helsinki syndrome. Helsinki oh syndrome. <laughs> what an idiot. Uh, is that like a com- is Stockholm syndrome a common term? It hasn't been for a long time. It must I think be. So I thought it was like Patty Hearst in like the seventies. Yeah, I think that's so. Right. So it was a joke in the movie that this guy is like doesn't know what he's talking about. I don't know if it's a joke or not, or did he? Did they just get it wrong? I don't know. I probably should have like dug into it because the description I think was okay. I thought that they were like they were there for an hour, and I feel like it takes longer than that. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was totally. the other part of the, like Yeah, he know, was like by this point months. they'll be like. In love with their captors. I was like, yeah, yeah not quite it's yet. In like an hour. I think they'll be fine. Yeah. Um, I will say that I really appreciated the characterization they did of uh, Bruce Willis's character as shit started going down. He was like, what the fuck do I do? Oh, he was just shit, freaking out. Think, yeah. Think, right? And I was like, I appreciate that much more than like the random cop who's like, all right, military tactical plan. I'll yeah, go this way, then I'll something, something. Stone then I'll- cold. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciated that. And in fact, so this all comes back to like his vulnerability throughout the whole film. There's a the scene that uh, happens where they shoot out all the glass so that he has to work on it. And even before he has to run on it, um, as they're shooting at the glass all around him, it's like really loud and chaotic and destructive. And he lets out this like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and the way he delivers it is so like desperate and overwhelmed like it's it comes across so strongly that he's actually starting to freak out a little bit that was excellent yeah how i was feeling it's a really good moment and in the scenes afterwards where he's bleeding and talking on the radio with al he's like in his voice like you hear the exhaustion and the hurt sounds like he's dying right there which he is yeah yeah and i just want to say if i was in a situation where it was run over that much glass and bare feet or die i would die Dave would die hard. <laughs> Not even that hard. I would die pretty easy in that situation. I think it would be a snap to kill me. Like when he yells Jesus Christ like that, and it seems he seems like he's freaking out. Like, which was really well done. I was like, is this the worst thing that's happened so far to him in this movie? Probably. Like, why is he freaking out now? Because he's been getting shot at the whole time. Yeah, but at this point, like it, it it's like five guys all at once, and there's a lot of noise. Like it's sound and fury, and he's pinned down, and he. Like, he knows that if he's even going to try and run away, it's going to have to be through this. It's like, what What do you do? Like, but he, like, just blew up the entire first floor. But he wasn't near it. You know, yeah. in this po- at this point, he's, like, in the middle of, yeah. like, a bombardment. I will say, I hope that the next three movies deal with his PTSD from this one, because he's um, going to have some. Not yeah. to give you a spoiler, but a flaw of the later films in the Die Hard franchise 
is that they start to move away from this really excellent characterization of him as a regular guy who is vulnerable and capable of getting hurt. By the time you hit the one with the Mac kid, uh, yeah, he's like, you know, he's fighting like fighter jets, uh, you know, and he's yep. doing the, what you exactly just mentioned, which is like not even like dropping any sweat. Yeah. You know, it's just like, I got an idea, I'm going to do it, I'm not even going to sweat it. Yeah. Like, But to be fair, that one's not very good. Uh, that's totally fair. Yeah, with a vengeance, to, he's still the everyman in that one. True. I think. I haven't seen it in like 10 It's years. a gradual yeah. shift, I think. Anyway, so, also, I mean, even after he's run over the glass and he's that hurt, first of all, that, like, all that blood he's leaving behind is just so awful. Like, ugh. Oh. Oh. Have you guys ever had anything on the bottom of your foot? I stepped on a pencil once. Did it hurt? Oh, yeah. I think I still have lead in my foot. Probably, yeah. Have you ever had glass in you? Uh, yes. I I think I stepped on a tiny piece of a broken glass at one point. Did it hurt like a bitch? Yes. Yeah. I, I've had tiny, like, slivers, like a splinter of glass, like in my hand. Yeah. And it hurt terribly, and I've also hurt the bottom of my foot, and it's just like, once he experienced that, like, he's clearly hurt up and is going through stuff in the movie but for me i'd be out of i i'm done so i'm not walking anymore don't discount adrenaline true i'm just gonna have to go with it. it's it gotta be the adrenaline i mean yeah that's the only explanation we can go with right also he's way tougher than me probably <laughs> but yeah that just even walking after he's pulled it all out must hurt so badly my Ugh. god yeah so he fights carl and one thing I like about it is that it's such an ugly, brutal fight. It's just like, there's no, well, there's a little bit of attempted karate. Yeah. <laughs> the, the chop. Yeah. One big chop. Bruce Willis is the only one with any lines during that fight. And it's a little, it's a lot. Like He says so, a lot of stuff. I don't think Carl says anything. So does Carl say anything for the entire movie? He wants to kill Bruce Willis slowly. Doesn't he? Yeah, he I think he, he might have like a line. He says, uh, nobody kills him but me. Mm-hmm. Yep. He doesn't have a lot of lines. Um, he's got a few, but yeah, he doesn't talk much. Um, one thing Bruce Willis... Silent type. Yeah, strong silent type. Yeah. Bruce Willis does rub it in during the fight. I think he says something like, your brother squealed when I killed him. Oh, Did he? Yeah, I, yeah well, like I when I snapped that. his neck or something like that, I was like, oh man, that was... I mean, it's smart psychological warfare, although it could it could backfire Give if that gives him... Yeah, this is the second rage wind. Yeah, that's how he came back in the end because that's the, he's like, oh, I just figured out what he said, son of a bitch. Yeah. Um, another um famous quote is and another famous shot too is the very last one where Bruce Willis has just been through everything. He's beat to shit, bloody, sweaty, grimy. Hans. Yeah, that was awesome. That was pretty good. Sounds a little bit like Khan. Yep. So is that famous? The Hans? Because the Khan is I know is Khan certainly, is. Yeah. yeah. I think the Hans, I think combined with like his sort of like staggering gait and like- Oh, the sil- gait definitely is. Yeah, he's silhouetted, like there's fire behind him and you it's harder to see him. Yeah, I think sort of like that shot and that scene is famous. Yeah, there, not there are any- several shots I've seen in Oscar montages. Yeah, and, and I mean, it's been, I mean, a lot of- Things from this movie have been parodied and sat and uh, satirized, but like um, that one is one of the more parodied and satirized scenes. I know there's like a a scene in Always Sunny where they parody the uh, the gun on the back laughter 
moment, except it's Frank Reynolds. And also just like other, th- I mean, this movie has been like endlessly riffed on because it's so influential, but like the incredibly uh, hyper competent uh, European terrorist crew coming in with like the calculating leader, like there's, you know, a South Park episode that's all about that. Nice. Yeah. So anyway, um, when Hans falls to his death, I just want to say one surprising Alan Rickman with that fall was great, yeah. but also the shot. Of his, of the body falling next to the building, oh, sweet. that was Super impressive. Good. Yeah, looks really really good with the thud. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, I think it's very clever at the end too that it is snowing bearer bonds. Yeah, yeah. Should people be grabbing those? Like if they were hundred dollar bills, probably be grabbing them. Probably, but you know, it's mostly cops standing around. It's probably frowned upon. I I think they don't know what to do with them. Oh, so what do you no do okay, yeah. with a bearer bond? Does anyone here know how bearer bonds work? I was going to ask you. Dave. No. I have no fucking idea. I would think that they could just, you know, say, you know, the serial number X through Y is no longer valid. And then they could just take them out of circulation. But Probably. I mean, how do you use a bearer bond as money? So you just take it to a bank. You have to sell it. What's a bearer bond? Oh, I don't know. I assume like, a, is, how's it different from a bond? Does it say bearer bond? What's a bond? I, I, I don't know how economics work. I don't really know what stocks are. Ver- stocks versus bonds. No idea. She just was diversified between stocks and bonds. I have no idea. That's I, I, I don't know how like interest in my checking account works. Like I really I'm probably... pretty sure we're all getting ripped off. That's, I'm oh. pretty sure of that. I don't doubt it. I just, you know, I one, I should have looked up more just for the sake of background for this movie. Two, I should know more about this just for life. <laughs> yeah, but none of us have bear bonds. Maybe we should. Maybe bear just maybe the we bear should is all the person have, who has it. Maybe? maybe we should all have a safe in our house with seven locks that we keep our stack of bear bonds in. I would actually love to own a safe, but I'm too poor. Probably because I'm getting ripped off all the time. There you go. <laughs> and I don't have any money to put in it. Um, we also get uh, Al's redemption at the end where you know he hasn't fired a gun since he accidentally killed that child. But he gets over it. Yay. And then he like laughs. I Yeah, no, I just. That was the worst part of the movie. Definitely the worst part of the movie. Unnecessary redemption shot. Even the shot with him where it's like shot. you look straight down the barrel and it like focuses on, on it's his It's a face. hero shot for him. I'm like, what? I'm like, the movie's over. This is not part of it. Yeah, but you, I mean, you have to look at it through the context of the times, which was not the same as what we have going on right now, you know? At the time it would have read more as like this is a man who did make a tragic mistake and was traumatized by it and has finally gotten over that. Yeah, nowadays our focus would be much more on like, what about the family of that child you accidentally killed and why are you still a cop at all? Well, Lethal Weapon had a similar thing where Danny Glover couldn't shoot people, I think. definitely some psychological reason. Loaded Weapon 1 definitely did, which was making fun of Lethal Weapon. Got it. So I didn't think that scene was bad because of the context. I thought it was bad because there there was no need to redeem him because he knew it was a mistake and he felt bad for it and it wasn't like i, I don't know that's, right? I was that's just a fair like, point that's a really the good entire point. movie itself was redemption he did a yeah. really good job saving yeah. all these people also yeah, a good point he's, yeah. he doesn't need to be a shooter he's really good at like organizing and keeping calm and like knowing what you should actually do and like all those sorts of stuff plus the other guy came back from the dead which was the other part of that that made that a bad scene <laughs> yeah he was hanging he got Hanged. Hanged? Is that right? Anybody yeah. Know? I think it's hanged. Okay. All right. He, that happened to him by Bruce Willis. Yeah. And he still had a gun on him, apparently. Yeah. And he's just like really high up up the ground. And then like they bring him to the ground floor, set him on the street, 
with the gun still. Yep. Turns out he's still alive with the gun and starts shooting at people. Yeah, I can't believe they didn't take the gun away. That's ridiculous. Well, he was hanging up high. You could, you probably couldn't get to him. I mean, did you didn't you see the scene where they no? Like, I just came mean like uh, when they were taking his body out of the building. Oh, like they is let... that how we got? I just assumed he like stumbled down the stairs. Oh no, because no, he like jumped up. Yeah, he was I on think the ground. he was like on a gurney or something. Wow, as like a I dead body. That. Yeah, yeah, he should have just held tight and gone to the morgue and sneak snuck out. Probably because that was Hans Gruber's plan. You think you're dead, but you he can was, leave with your bear bonds. He was more focused on the revenge for the brother, right? Yeah, yeah that's and right. then the later ass kicking. Do you guys have any more notes for like plot or movie stuff? So uh, speaking of the cocaine, I wanted to go back to that. Oh, please. Um, because I, I did notice or I realized that the one guy is the one we see snorting cocaine. He's also the only one who drinks a Coke. Yes. Coke for the Coke guy. Yeah. We did get our our, our product placement. Also a crunch bar. Yes. So like good. Underrated candy. Lincoln was in there a couple times. Good cars. All right, wait, are they still around? Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, good. They don't have the Isn't little like the, a... the the cross, like it doesn't it doesn't have a hood ornament anymore. But they're definitely still around. Isn't and... that the one that Matthew McConaughey plugs? Yeah. Oh, yes, you're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I, I drive still it around. because I like the feel. Yeah, because right, they're all Lincoln. <laughs> they were driving Lincoln Town Cars, which become limos. <laughs> yeah. And my, my dad had those when I was a kid. Right. Hold on, I just want to check right. my notes here. Sure. A minor thing when they were doing the characterization of Bruce Willis is that he didn't like the wine at the party. He's like, mm, "Wine, get this out of here." Yeah, he likes beer. Clearly. Because <laughs> he's a man's man. Man's man. <clears throat> um, I just want to say the principal from the Breakfast Club basically played himself the same role. Yep. The principal from the Breakfast Club. And I love, as the, a two, cop. I love the two FBI agents, too. Yeah. So what I didn't understand, and I get it was part of the characterization, was why nobody seemed to want to help or be useful. Like, he's, like, calling in, like, there's a building full of terrorists. And they're like, please call back on an actual phone. I was like. What? I think this is no part of like a... Uh, ever. No. Well, I, th- I think the idea that they're going for is this criticism, this like fucking bureaucracy. Am I right? You know, these institutions are the problem. Like there are good individuals like John McClane and Sergeant Al, but like mm. the institutions in general all suck. Yeah. Um. So the other thing that I noticed was uh, early on when Hans realizes that there's someone there messing things up. He automatically assumes it's a guy. Oh, yes. He immediately says, find out who he is or something like that. I was like, could be a lady. I know. But was it a lady? That's not the point, Derek. <clears throat> that is not the point. I'm I just saying. I said that was recorded. <laughs> <laughs> Nowadays, there's probably a 10% greater chance that that movie would have a female lead. <laughs> well, how many women were in that? Like. Just the two that Just I can remember, two. the yeah. pregnant one and the wife. Yeah. Yeah. Although we did point out that the the crew of um, terrorists w- had some nice diversity on it. Oh, yeah. And not only that, too, Her but group the- group of uh, Germans. And the non-white terrorists last pretty deep into the film. Yeah. The black hacker and the Asian thug. Yeah, all, he lived uh, the whole thing, the black hacker. That, he's the only survivor. Yeah, he's the only one who lives. He just gets knocked out. Assuming the punch doesn't kill him. I hope- that would be quite a glass jaw yeah. if the punch killed him. <laughs> He's like Billy Budd or the guy from Billy Budd. That might be too deep a cut. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea what that, what that is. That's a, that's a story I had to read in school that I think is by Herman Melville or Nathaniel Hawthorne. Um, it's about a sailor who gets mad and punches his superior officer and the dude dies from the punch. 
and they're just like, yeah, some people just have weak skulls, I guess. Anyway, hang this dude. And oh, that's, that's the whole story. Um, hmm. Yeah. Anything else for uh, that? All right. Well, in that case. Oh, wait. Yeah. What was the point of the bear? Oh, I don't know. I don't he like know. buys this bear and he like, is, he was going to bring it to his kid. Oh, he's going to bring it to his kids. Presumably. Right. So yeah, I was like, yeah. why isn't the back of the limo still? He didn't even bring it with him. Yeah, because he's got, you know, the All daughter. Right, it's for the kids, not for the, not for the wife. Okay. Shows up later, played by Mary Elizabeth Winstead. So let's talk about how this movie did. So it opened at number three in the box office. And by the time it ended its theatrical run, it had earned $83 million in North America and a total of $140.7 million worldwide on a $28 million budget. Well done. Quite a hit. It has a 93% on Rotten Tomatoes. It got four Oscar nominations, no wins. For what? Sound, sound effects editing, film editing, and visual effects. Best okay. accent. Yes. Golden <laughs> Golden Globe for best accent. Reviews-wise. The, the Oscars were less snooty back then, too. Yeah, it was the People's Oscars back mm-hmm. then. I, no, Star Wars got nominated for all those same things, and... Uh all action movies these days that's always oh, yeah, the no, one where, no. yeah yeah no, i agree but like back yeah. then it was like movies you'd ever you'd actually heard of ah okay granted this one for star wars reasons or it was nominated for star wars reasons it got kind of like mixed reviews the british film critic mark kermode liked the movie he said it was a exciting setup of cowboys and indians and the towering inferno mm-hmm. which he mentioned liking disaster movies it's yep. definitely got that kind of thing going on yep Corinne James of New York Times said, The scenes move with such relentless energy and smashing special effects extravagance that Die Hard turns out to be everything action genre fans and Bruce Willis's relieved investors might have hoped for. <laughs> Accurate, I think. Relieved investors? Why did they give him five million bucks? I don't know. CinemaScore told him to. He said it cost $23 million to make it. Is that what you said? Yeah. Does that include five Bruce Willis for five? Bruce. I guess... Wow. Yeah. And Would they pay Alan Rickman? Yeah, I was going to ask that. Not as much. Remember, bucks. first movie. Yeah, they, they cast him, too, because they went and saw him in a play that he was in Dangerous Liaisons. and That seems like Alan Rickman. Yes, it does. But uh, the director was in the audience, and he was like, this is my Hans Gruber. Nice. Yeah. So on the downside, Roger Ebert wasn't too into this movie. He only gave it two stars, and uh, he was particularly focused on how stupid the police chief was. Yeah, he was pretty stupid. Yeah, he said, um, all by himself, he successfully undermines the last half of the movie, which I think is a little too focused on this kind of minor character. I I mean, so it there was so much. So nothing in this movie is plausible, but like there was something that like the police just kept getting more and more absurd that kept being like, I was like okay, I think maybe they are trying for a comedy because I was like, I mean, once the FBI guy showed up and like the guy down there is yelling, you're interfering in our investigation. You need to stop it, Sonny. And I'm like, what? This doesn't make any sense. I mean, it's got to be comic relief, right? Yeah, it was just well, weird Johnson and comic Johnson. True. Yeah. Yeah. This is Agent Johnson and this is Agent Johnson. No, no relation. Agent Johnson and Special Agent Johnson. Special Agent Johnson. Richard Schickel of Time says... In the first half of director John McTiernan's movie, Bruce Willis wears an undershirt. In the second half, (laughs) 
he gets rid of it. And that's pretty much it for his performance. What? Wow. Disagree. Very, yeah. very much. Strong yeah. disagree. Yeah. Like, he doesn't look that <clears throat> sexy with the undershirt or not. I mean, he, he doesn't look bad. Don't get me wrong. I think like, he looks pretty good. He looks pretty good. But, like, there's better looking people out there who could have been who could have been there. This isn't just, like, a smut film. Like, yeah. he does a good job. And you yeah. feel for the guy. That, yeah. I disagree very strongly with that. Well, that leads yeah. us into what I'd very much like to talk about and what we've kind of been dancing around this whole time, which is the legacy of this movie. Die Hard established what would become a common formula for action movies over the course of the next decade, which is the idea of a lone everyman against a colorful terrorist character in an isolated setting. So as soon uh, as you said speed, I was like, yep, it's the same. Right. So rather famously, and this might be apocryphal, but the story goes that the pitch for speed was it's die hard on a bus. Nice. And um, that term has become like Hollywood vernacular, and it describes the set of movies that came afterwards. So you get Under Siege, yep. Die Hard on a Battleship, Passenger 57, Die Hard on a Plane, The Rock, which actually is- oh, I love that. That's such a good movie. That is actually a Nicholas movie Cage. that starts to break this formula, but you could describe it as Die Hard on an Island. Yep. Um, rather amusingly too, I saw a few spinoffs of this idea. So one is, um, someone has said to an audience of xenomorphs, the movie Alien is Die Hard on a spaceship. <laughs> That's awesome. It it really tracks too, yeah. especially with the climbing through the vents and everything. <laughs> and then I always noticed that. So Speed famously was Die Hard on a bus. And then are you guys familiar with the movie Crank? No. I'm familiar with where he's got to like keep moving so hard on the It's a uh, Jason Statham vehicle where he's been poisoned in such a way where if his heart rate goes below a certain amount, he'll die. So I described it as it's speed on a guy. <laughs> and that movie rules, by the way. Sweet. That might be a stay tuned if you haven't seen it. All right. But um, yeah, that really, really changed the game when this movie came out. Uh, prior to this, you know, action movies were Schwarzenegger, Stallone tough muscly supermen you know who would like you said kind of like in a calculating military way come in and like just mow everybody down they were so it's the everyman that's a difference yes okay and then also i think the idea of the hero is weak and vulnerable whereas you know like in a schwarzenegger movie he's the toughest motherfucker in the film in this movie, he kind of has to be playing cat and mouse and, like, picking them off one at a time. So, the, the isolated setting where you're sort of, like, using the maze to your advantage a little bit. Mm -hmm. But definitely the vulnerable everyman hero uh, really kicks off with this movie and it stays the standard up until you get The Rock, which is when, like, Bayhem starts to take over, like, mm -hmm. that cacophonous visual action style but um really i think where the biggest action movie change in terms of like you know the sea change for the genre is probably the matrix where mm. you go into more um like he's not vulnerable he's like the chosen one who has superpowers and like all the elegant choreographed wire work yeah probably the one-two punch too of the matrix and crouching tiger That's what I was gonna say. a year later yeah yeah and you know I like those movies a lot and that style, but um, one thing you lose, I think, 
in those movies is um you don't really like feel the action very well like those types of action movies i think are all about like the beauty and the elegance of the choreography but like when neo punches somebody it doesn't you don't feel it it's it's light as a feather Mm -hmm. you know like and you know because it's magic you know that like the force behind it isn't really like about real physics yeah but something is lost by losing that like in this movie like i said the fight between bruce willis and carl is ugly and not very well choreographed but that's kind of the point it's like a real fight and you feel the punches you know and there's real physics involved yeah so and so I, are there any of these movies like that around now? Like Die Hard? Yeah. Well, I mean, because there's like The Rock's in a ton of movies, but he's not an everyman. Right. I think if you're talking about films that start to bring it back to the more like actual physical action as opposed to the like more balletic Hong Kong style, I would honestly say something like the Captain America movies. I know there's superpowers involved there, but the action scenes, especially like in the second one, the way the Russo brothers direct action is very like brutal and impactful. So I would toss that out as a an option or maybe something like John Wick or the new Mad Max movie, which granted have a lot of like stunts and action, but it's a little more like about real physicality. And I don't know, that's just a thought I would have, but I don't know. I'm curious about how similar to Die Hard Skyscraper is. Oh, I don't know. Because it's like his family is in a building and there's terrorists. and I just assumed it's more like Towering Inferno, but I don't actually know. Probably both. I mean, they are two very similar movies. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that was just, uh, you know, something worth remembering. It also, Die Hard itself has four sequels as of right now. But it has four sequels? Four total. There's Die Hard 2. Uh Uh-huh. Die Hard with a Vengeance, Live Free or Die Hard, and A Good Day to Die Hard. Oh, no oh, shit. The one right. in Which Russia. Which got the Mac kid? Is it, I think it's Live the, Free or Die Hard. Live Free or Die Hard. Yeah, the fourth one. I didn't know there was a fifth. There's a fifth one in Russia. So the fourth one with the Mac kid, uh, Justin Long, just to yeah. give there him a go. name. Uh, that they should one, have been with the PC guy. The PC guy was a much nicer guy. The John Mac, Hodgman. The Mac kid was kind of a dick. Well, yeah, the there was guy. actually on the internet a bit of a movement of people who were like, I actually kind of like the PC guy better. I think like it shifted because it was like a multi-year ad campaign. True. He was like such a prick to the PC guy. Everyone's like, stop on the PC guy. He's a nice guy. Yeah. And John Hodgman's cool dude. Um, so in that one, he his daughter is kidnapped. And in the most recent one, it's his son. So basically, uh, except for a couple of these, he's constantly using these movies to reunite with an estranged loved one. Isn't even uh, Die Hard 2, it's his wife again. I don't know about Die Hard 2. She's on one of the threatened airplanes. I haven't seen Die Hard 2. Oh, I thought you had. I thought Die Hard Hard with a Vengeance. Right, 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 right. Okay. I think that's the only one where a member of his family isn't in immediate danger. The Heart of the Vengeance, you're saying? Yeah. His wife is definitely in it, but I feel like she's just on the phone or on a radio. I don't know. I can't oh, remember. Good for her. She finally got away. Well, anyway, we have one last thing to talk about. Sorry, how did the sequels do? Like, I mean, uh, they, as far as like Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, uh, that I would have to look up, which okay. I can do. Um, okay. Die Hard 2 has a 70%, which is fresh. On Rotten Tomatoes. Yes, barely. Yep. Die Hard 3. 
Uh, no, not the 30th. All right. We'll maybe talk about that when I have two hands to type. But um, we have one last thing that I think we need to discuss about this, which is the controversy that is ripping America apart is Die Hard, a Christmas movie. That's a great question. Um, Who I wants to go first? No, 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 no. Go for it. You've thought a lot about it. So, um, they play Ode to Joy a lot in this movie. Now, I'm not even sure Ode to Joy is a Christmas song. No, I don't think so. I don't think so either, but you might hear it during Christmas. But Emily says it's on a lot of Christmas albums. Um, but so I would go like National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Is that a Christmas movie? Of course it is. The Grinch Stole Christmas. Is that a Christmas movie? Of course it is. Home Alone. Is that a Christmas movie? Yes. Yes. Okay. Would you ever watch that in July? Yes. That's what I think makes it not know. a Christmas movie. I don't think I would. Because you wouldn't watch The Grinch. You'll watch it like in December. Yeah. yeah. Or actually, right before Thanksgiving, that's when it's on TV. But Home Alone is hilarious. Uh, Any I've, time I've, of the year. The last time I saw it was like 2005, and it was definitely in like April because we played a drinking game with it and oh how, how did the rules go uh there were some where uh is every time someone screams every time someone runs into the statue in front of their house you have to drink a bunch <laughs> it was it was really really funny all right emily yes it is a christmas movie why because she's a troll no <laughs> because it's uh, so musically right there's lots of like christmas carols and things like that but the whole story is around trying to get back to your family for Christmas, which makes it a Christmas movie. And yeah. I think that there's enough in it that when I watch it, I would get the feeling of like, oh, I like Christmas. Because that's the thing. When I watch Home Alone, I get that like, oh, yeah, I like Christmas. I get a Christmas feeling inside. I think when I watch this, I would get a Christmas feeling inside. So you have sure. a Christmas feeling now? I do. I would really like some presents. Anyone? And a nice tree. Well, I'm Jewish, so <laughs> I don't get in the Christmas spirit very often. I did notice the, the the boss said Merry Christmas to everybody. So this was obviously before the war on Christmas started. It's or because it's a Fox movie. I oh, yeah. Know why. Um, all right. Well, I'm going to throw out a few points for either side. So is it a Christmas movie? It takes place on Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. And there is Christmas imagery throughout the movie. Definitely. In the soundtrack, in people's dialogue. It's a Christmas party. He dresses up the dead guy in a Santa hat. And he's got a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. Yeah. Yep. Um, He's only there to visit his family for Christmas. And it's like you said, the theme of the movie is about reuniting with his estranged family, which is a Christmassy kind Mm -hmm. of idea. At the end, it's snowing the bearer bonds and the, the like, the weather outside is fun. <laughs> you know, that song plays. Um, there's also the fact that the writer, Stephen D'Souza, has gone on record as saying it's a Christmas movie. Yeah. On the other hand, Bruce Willis says it's not a Christmas movie. What does he know? He just read the lines. <laughs> that's that's something that people say in response to that. <laughs> Although, I, I, Bruce Willis's exact point is also, it's not a Christmas movie. It's a goddamn Bruce Willis movie. Touche. Well done. Yeah. Touche. Uh, I would point out that this movie was released on July 15th, which is not when Christmas movies that come out. That is some damning evidence. That's However, that's very weird. There's a rebuttal. 
Would you say that Miracle on 34th Street is a Christmas movie? Absolutely. Never seen it. Released what? on May 2nd. It's is, a- was that a, cine- a cinema score? Miracle on 34th Street is a a classic Christmas film. A young girl meets the actual Santa Claus. Mm. Or maybe he's not the actual Santa Claus, but he's probably the actual Santa Claus. Exactly. And they have a trial to determine if he's really Santa Claus. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So my position on this. So how did that do do in the theaters? You're not going to look that up real quick. I mean, you might. But uh, Miracle on 34th Street? It probably did poorly because it was a Christmas movie released in May. I mean, it's like a classic. It's a uh, yeah. Know. It's pretty well regarded, at and the it's very it's least. actually sure, it's, but it didn't do it's well black in the box office. Yeah, it's black and white, so, oh, so no it's like pretty old. Yeah, yeah, yeah nineteen forty-seven. Yeah. Um, my feeling on this movie is that yes, there's a lot of Christmas stuff in it, and especially watching it again this time with that on my mind, I saw just how much it is built into this movie throughout. But what I keep coming back to is the idea that, so it's like you said, the Grinch that stole Christmas. If you take Christmas out of that movie, the movie falls apart. It doesn't work. In this film, if you stripped everything Christmas related out of the movie, the film still works. It still functions. You could still have this movie without any of the Christmas stuff. You know? Mm-hmm. Sure. Like, it could be just a regular office party. It could be the office New Year's party. It could be even a non-holiday gathering. It just, like, you know, and reuniting with a loved one is such a regular old action movie trope. I mean, every Harrison Ford movie is about Mm -hmm. his family being in danger. You know, none of the Taken movies have Christmas in them, but it's all about, (laughs) I gotta get my daughter back, you know? Um So I think the fact that, like, there's nothing about Christmas that's critical in this film, you know? Yeah, I buy it. I don't agree, but I buy it. Yeah. That being said, I think there's another factor that you can weigh when determining if something is a Christmas movie, which is that, um, is it a tradition to watch it on Christmas? So this is what I was actually just thinking about. So it's not necessarily a tradition to watch it on Christmas, but if I said, hey, it's Christmas Eve, let's watch a Christmas movie, and I offered you It's a Wonderful Life or Die Hard, I'd probably watch Die Hard. And it would work. That would be a much better Christmas movie. You could watch this on Christmas Eve. Yeah. You could also have It's a Wonderful Life or Wayne's World, and I would pick Wayne's World. (laughs) Yeah, but that would not be a Christmas movie. That's your bias talking. And it wouldn't leave me in a Christmas spirit. It's true. Also, I I think there's an element of this debate actually influencing the outcome because I think there's a certain extent to which like culturally we might not have recognized this as a Christmas movie, but like by talking about it so much now TV stations have started like playing this movie during Christmas because like some people think of it as a Christmas movie. And so like over time it's so when this debate started, maybe it wasn't a Christmas movie. But because of this thing about, like, is it a Christmas tradition, it's become a Christmas movie. The Twitter trolls are taking over the world. Exactly. That's what is happening. Yeah. So, well, I guess on that depressing note. Christmas movie. (laughs) Woo! Yeah. I remain ambivalent. But, uh, again, Jew. It's a Hanukkah movie. (laughs) So, is Ghostbusters 2 a Christmas movie? Or New Year's movie? I don't remember anything about Ghostbusters 2. 
I've seen that is more that the, than I think uh, Chapter's that 1. Is that Stay Puft Marshmallow That's Man? New Year's Eve, though. Yeah, well, I meant to say it's a New Year's Eve. It ends on New Year's Eve, but it's a multi-day thing, so Christmas had to have happened somewhere in there. And there's a lot of Christmas stuff up because it's New Year's Eve. Well, here's here's one that I think of. How about Batman Returns? I shitloads of Christmas imagery throughout Christmas that. Time, yep. Yeah, but that also came out during the summer. Definitely does that. not leave me with the Christmas feeling. No, it's just a thought. I I think the thing the thing that makes Die Hard a Hanukkah movie is the fact that. At one point in the movie, you see that his gun only has one bullet left, but somehow he manages to kill eight terrorists with it. <laughs> well done, sir. Well Thank played. Done. All right. So, that was deep. Thanks. So it sounds like the big, the big key there was that there's a setting of Christmas, which is one thing, but the Christmas spirit is what Emily is going for. Yeah, that's fair. I can see there's, there's a little Christmas spirit in there. Ho, ho, ho. Motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so... Let's talk about what we thought of this movie. Emily, what did you think of Die Hard? Did it live up to the hype? So I don't, here's here's going to be the thing. I don't think I knew that it was super hyped. I knew it was like a classic movie that like lots of people had seen, but yeah. I didn't know that it was like a, oh my God, you got to see this. Um, I thought it was a good movie. I don't know if I would watch it again, except maybe on Christmas, but... <laughs> Um, no, I thought it was good. I thought it was solid. I thought it held together. I thought it was well acted. I thought it could have been a little shorter. It it is oh, pretty wow. long. Um, that's actually I shouldn't be surprised. Anything over an hour and a half, Emily loses her mind. <laughs> that's true. I like movies that are ninety minutes. I might be with you on that, <laughs> unless it's a Marvel movie, in which case bring on the eight hour <laughs> supercut. But yeah, I thought it was good, and I I was interested to know. I didn't know any of the stuff about the genre, so in that mm. light. I would almost want to go back and like watch it with like a theoretical or like academic eye. Yeah, it it was very influential, and I think maybe now that you've seen it, you might start noticing the references to mm-hmm. it and a lot more stuff. Well, and yeah. I love The Rock and Speed, so anything that gives us both of those movies is uh, pretty good. Right on, Eric. What did you think? I mean, I thought it was great. There was no point in the entire movie where I got bored at all, um, like none. Like because usually there's like some slow point, but this is like. You know, like, because the action would pick up, then it would go down, but, like, enough to, like, let you recover your energy as a viewer. Right. I thought it was great the whole way through, I'm trying to think. It reminds yeah, the, the point about speed is a is a great point, and I, I loved speed when it first came out. I've seen that probably 20 times. I feel like last time I saw it, I didn't like it as much for whatever reason, because I was, like, it seemed cliche, probably because I saw it 20 times. Hmm. Yeah, and I like The Rock, too, but, yeah, I mean, I'd be happy to watch this again if it was, like, on cable or something like that. I would definitely watch it. I wouldn't be sucked in like something like Pulp Fiction where I'm like, oh, once that's on, I have to watch the rest of it. Right. But it'd be like, oh, this is a good scene. But it probably wouldn't, I probably wouldn't be glued to the TV. Do you feel like hype has impacted your viewing of it or your opinion of it? Well, there was a lot of hype in that, like, well, there's four sequels to it. Um, Die Hard 3, again, I thought was a great movie. Oh, yeah. Which one do you like better? I don't, I'm not ready to answer that. Maybe, maybe in a couple minutes I can answer that. Okay. Um, But every time I told people like co-workers or, or whatever like i've never seen die hard there's no way it's better than die hard through everyone's like what you've never seen die hard like otherwise people i feel like people just would not say that just because i mean die hard it's pretty old like i didn't see it because i was like four when it came out or six when it came out yeah but as far as die hard three versus die hard it's not as much of a sequel as i expected because a lot of sequels are like very similar to the previous ones. it's like the same formula, formula. 
and all these things like same lines and you're like oh my gosh can we can we stop this um, or Die Hard 3 has like puzzles in it um, and things like that and there's like many different terrorism spots in it so it's uh oh pretty good I think you should watch Die Hard 3 again now though and maybe your opinion vis-a-vis what you just said might change a little bit I believe that you, well, so you think I will like it not as much I don't know. I just, uh, I, I think you might look at it through new eyes. Okay. Let's say that. All right. All right. Well, that brings us to no, our No, but final. I think, did oh. I say which one I like better? No. <laughs> I think I like Die Hard 3 better still, even though this was an excellent movie. Wow. I think I still like Die Hard 3 better. Interesting. It might just be the puzzles that push it over the line. Hmm. And also, I mean, it's got Sam Jackson in it. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, obviously. Sam Jackson for Carl Winslow? Oh, that's not even close. Never mind. And I mean... <laughs> Jeremy Irons is no Alan Rickman, but he's a good villain. Who's Jeremy Irons? I don't recall. He was in The Three Musketeers? Maybe? Because that was Charlie Sheen and the funny guy. Um, he played Aramis, I thought. He's the voice of uh, Scar. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, anyway, we have one last question to answer. Was this movie better later? never? I think it's pretty obvious where you guys are going to go, but just to lay it out for clarity's sake, better late means there is something essential about this movie where it's a key part of the movie watching canon and you feel like you as a movie viewer have definitely gained something that you didn't have before. Never means if you never saw this movie for the rest of your life, that would have been just fine. Emily, take it away. I think for the uh, academic reasons that we discussed, I, I will go with uh, better late mm. than never. I, I was on the fence because I'm like, I will probably never watch it again and right. it would probably be fine. But now that I know sort of where, like what it led to, that's like an interesting thing that I yeah. feel like sweet. I saw the, the beginning and and now I know how Bruce Willis became an action hero, which is someone paid him $5 million to become an action hero. So that's cool too yeah totally and eric so i guess i enjoyed the movie i definitely enjoyed it the whole way through the the fact about it creating a genre like really tipped it like that was an extra boost which i'm pretty sure i would have said better late anyways but that yeah. like definitely like oh there is some history involved in this um then i i really want to watch every movie that was in my grandfather's movie collection so i definitely wanted to watch it but yeah better late it's a very good movie right on well, and for my own sake, obviously I'm a big fan. It holds up. Was glad for the chance to watch it again. And it's not a Christmas movie. It's a Hanukkah movie. Oh, man. I'll so, go with that. Yeah. So he agreed with both of us. Actually, I'll go PC. It's a holiday movie. Ooh, very nice. Happy holidays, everyone. Happy holidays, everybody. Yes, this is probably going to go to air as our Christmas episode. Or our holiday episode, I should say. So, Sweet. Can yeah. I go... Happy holidays, motherfuckers. Absolutely. That was awesome. All right. Well, that's our episode for today. If you'd like to contact the podcast, you can hit us up at betterlatetheneverpod at gmail.com or on Twitter at betterlate underscore pod. Eric, Emily, it was a lot of fun having you on today. Thanks for having us. This This was awesome. Yeah. Please come back again. Absolutely. Definitely. I have a gigantic list of episodes lined up for you guys, given all of the movies that you haven't seen. So. Pulp Fiction. Yep. Probably going to be seeing you guys again. And uh, thanks for listening. Happy holidays. (laughs) Motherfucker. Yeah. You don't need deck the halls or jingle bell rock because you can
spinner dreidel with Captain Kirk and Mr. Spock, both Jewish. Put on your yarmulke, it's time for Hanukkah. The owner of the Seattle Supersonicas celebrates Hanukkah. O.J. Simpson, not a Jew. Guess who is Hall of Famer Rod?